This is DJ Moore. You're listening to Roster Watch. Hey there, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome back for the week five edition of the rosterwatch.com tradecast. My name is Byron Lambert, and of course, it's a pleasure to join you again. We meet here every week of the season to break down the fantasy football trade market. We talk general strategy. Uh, We discuss some of the popular trade targets for the week. And of course, I always leave you guys with some mock trade examples uh, at the end of the broadcast so that you have some ideas um, you know, of deals that you can attempt to configure uh, in your league. And look, the trick to this entire process is valuing the players, you know, and then we have to be vigilant and we have to be opportunistic. I mean, I want you guys to remember that word, to be opportunistic. We're here to be opportunists. Um, that's how we're going to capitalize, you know, when others aren't paying attention. That's where we're going to find the inefficiencies that exist in our league on the trade market and we're going to work those and we're going to improve our team every week of the season um it's kind of the missing link that so many folks um really don't do everybody of course works their waiver wire but there's just not enough people working their trade markets in their leagues and there's certainly not enough people optimizing um you know their strategy when doing so and uh, just to show you guys that i practice what i preach last week on this podcast we discussed um mark andrews of the baltimore ravens as a buy low uh, tight end options. So wanted to give you guys a little anecdote. I was in the ropes in one of my uh, most important leagues last week, and I made a trade for Mark Andrews. Uh, I did exactly what we discuss every week of the season here. I um, assembled a consolidation trade, and that's where I wanted to take two of my good players and package them together and trade up for one player that I view as better in return, a guy that I viewed um, was somebody that would help my starting lineup in general be more competitive, uh, but also had a tremendous matchup you know, last week. So what I did was I uh, – exactly what I tell you guys to do. I went through uh, the trade targets discussed on this, uh, on this show. I went and looked all those guys up in my own league and – uh, I also tell you every week of the season that we are wanting to take advantage of the losing teams in our league. So just so happened uh, that it was a kind of a middling uh, team that rostered Mark Andrews that had some holes in his roster because of injury. And so I very quickly identified, like, this is a perfect opportunity. This guy has to be totally disenfranchised with Mark Andrews. It was a slow start to the season. Um, he had the horrible drops in the primetime game, in the end zone. And so you just knew. I mean, it's what we talked about here last week. You knew that owners had to be frustrated with Mark Andrews. So, again, I was opportunistic. I saw that uh, we identified, we valued the player. We identified the player. It was Mark Andrews. I identified a need on my team was that I wanted to strengthen my tight end position, and I was in a must-win situation. I needed to trade for guys, somebody that had an excellent matchup last week because it was imperative that I got the win and I identified that the other team who rostered Mark Andrews uh, was a team that was struggling and had some holes to fill in a starting lineup in order to be more competitive. So uh, I happened to be very deep at wide receiver in that league. Um, we got the news that Debo Samuel was returning to 
practice and was likely going to be active for his week four matchup. So when that good bit of news came in, I took that as an opportunity, um, you know, to create some lead or leverage to, you know, that that's the kind of news that creates some appeal and makes your player marketable. So I took Debo Samuel, who most people view as going to be, you know, a very flex worthy or even, you know, starter worthy uh, fantasy wide receiver moving forward. And, you know, of course, this is to a player of my in my league who doesn't know as much about Brandon Ayuk as we do and our listeners do and, um, you know, uh, you know all, all of the Sharps do uh, that are members of Roster Watch Nation. So, you know, this individual is excited about possibly getting a Debo Samuel. And then, as I always indicate to you guys, the best way to trade for a tight end or a quarterback is take your current tight end, take your current quarterback, package them with another starter a flex-worthy starter, and make the move to consolidate and level up. So I had Hayden Hurst, who is a tight end I like. I think he's plenty good on the season. Um, but for me, it was willing. I was willing to take the risk based on what we'd seen out of Hayden Hurst and what we know about Mark Andrews to go ahead and just take Hayden Hurst, take Debo Samuel, package them together, uh, ship him out. I got Mark Andrews in return, who had the excellent matchup. And, you know, I had the wide receiver depth to do it. I still got four other great wide receivers. So it was really no loss to me. Um, and, you know, looking back, I th- Mark Andrews won the week for me. He might have saved my season last week. So that was a critical trade. That's the way that you guys need to be thinking. I was a struggling team who happened to have a lot of good assets. I was struggling just more because of injuries and slow starts so I actually was a rare circumstance of a struggling team that had the resources to put together construct a consolidation trade um, and and do something like that um, uh, and, but oftentimes like we talk about it'll be the winning teams that are really able to pillage the losing teams in their league uh, for these kind of deals so you know look I looked at it and I said Hayden Hurst will be a starter for him and if you look at his profile on the surface it's been really better than Mark Andrews on the season People are excited about attaching themselves to the Falcons offense. And, you know, again, I explained, uh, you know, why I thought Debo Samuel would be marketable. So, look, I, I gave up two players. And oftentimes you've got to kind of in some ways, quote unquote, in terms of total player equity, quote unquote, overpay for the guy that you're leveling up to consolidate. I mean, somebody's not just going to give away Mark Andrews in a year where tight end is, uh, you know, so thin. But look. I identified my needs. I wanted to make a meaningful trade. I had an, I um, had a strategy in mind. You know, I had a goal in mind, and then I took time to assess uh, the other partner. You know, the other party's needs, and I just said, okay, this makes sense. Because if you don't want to waste your time, if you want to have a higher success rate, it's really important to try to craft deals that make sense for the other party too, um, so that you know, of course, you know, they'll be enticed. So. You know, uh, and as an example of, uh, you know, uh, of what I do in my own leagues to show you guys that I practice what I preach, I thought it would be good to give that anecdote at the beginning of this episode. Uh, it was a meaningful trade, and uh, it could be a season changer. And, and as we talk about, your number one mandate of the season should be to make as many of these consolidation trades as possible. Why? Because when I made that trade, yes, I gave up more you know, quote, quote unquote, total player equity in order to get Andrews by giving up Debo Samuel and Hayden Hurst. But that doesn't take into account 
the roster spot that I liberated, and I'm going to be able to uh, backfill with another very important waiver wire claim uh, over the course of the next week or two. And then once you add that waiver claim uh, to the mix and you start to groom and develop that player at the bottom of your roster, all of a sudden that player's equity grows. Then you say, okay, Mark Andrews plus uh, replacement player X, now their total equity all of a sudden is more than the Hayden Hurst and the Debo Samuel that I gave up in the first place. So this is the arbitrage. It's how it's the nexus of the trade market and of you know of the waiver wire in your league. And this is how we're going to constantly, slowly but surely kind of level our roster up at every turn from the top to the bottom. And over the course of the season, we'll increase the player equity across the top of our roster, which means that we're going to be stacked with lush assets, you know, from top to bottom, from our starting roster, our starting lineup, all the way to our benches. And the reason that we want to do this is to, for twofold, number one, to navigate the attrition of the season, which I think you guys are clearly seeing is probably more important than ever this year with the way that injuries, not only injuries, I mean, all these COVID uh, positive tests and these teams missing games. I mean, it's, you've got to have some depth on your bench and you're going to need it if you want to be successful this year unless you expect to run the table by getting super lucky, which obviously is not, you know, a favorable strategy to, uh, you know, to depend on. So the other thing then we'll be doing is once we've stacked up our team with just, you know, a, a wealth of fantasy assets from top to bottom bench and starting lineup, then later in the season, uh, we'll go into detail how we're going to leverage that, uh, into the, uh, the best playoff roster that you guys have ever seen. You'll want to stick around uh, for that um, as the season progresses. But in the meantime, uh, let's continue on here with what we're doing in this phase of the season, which is basically twofold. Uh, If we are operating from a position of strength, meaning we're either have a terrific record or we have a ton of assets, um, we are pursuing the consolidation trade because we're out hunting. We're out game hunting. Uh, we're buying if we're in that position. We're trying to take two of our good players or two of our middling players that are overperforming and are marketable at the moment. We're trying to package them up, consolidate them, ship them off to another team who's likely struggling and maybe roster some players that we think we can buy low on. And we are going to consolidate those uh, those middling players into uh, one player that we view as superior in return. Uh, and that's what we're the number one mandate of this point in the season. But if we're a struggling team, the other kind of trade that we'll be participating in right now is if we're struggling and we've identified the reason that we're struggling is because we have holes in our starting lineup and that's keeping us from being competitive every single week, then we need to consider taking the best player on our roster, especially if they're sell high at the moment or, you know, a marketable, you know, name. And we need to consider liquidating them down into um, get somebody to quote unquote overpay you for them, like I discussed, uh, you know, earlier with the Mark Andrews trade. Because that's that's basically what's going to happen. And you get two guys that, in return, that can become starters for you, that have great matchups, that can help you win now. And that's um, that's a sensical way to do that, to go about about that. And then uh, I guess uh, just so we can give you something new on this episode, we'll give you a third type of trade that's out there. We talk often about consolidation trades and liquidation trades there's two most common and frequent configurations um but i i'll call it the roster balancing trade 
Um, as we get, we see a lot of these come across the message board at rosterwatch.com. And this is the one for one interpositional trade. So this is when somebody says, should I trade running back X for wide receiver Y? Well, obviously if you think you're ripping somebody off and you're just getting, you know, what's clearly the best player in return in the deal, then yeah, of course you want to do that deal as long as it's not going to leave you ultra short at whatever position that, uh, that you're trading off. But clearly that's unlikely to be the circumstance that you're just ripping somebody off in that situation. So more than likely, the reason you're doing this is because you've identified that you need to balance your roster. Maybe you're really deep at wide receiver, but short at running back. And maybe there's another team in your league who's deep at running back, but short at wide receiver. You could trade, you know, players of, um, from different positions of, you know, equivalent value and that can be a win-win for everybody because that can help you balance your roster, which, you know, in theory would make your starting lineup more competitive every week, which is what we need. And we need because we're we've always got to maintain a focus on winning now. Uh, another tactic this time of year is that the bye weeks are beginning in principle or have begun in principle here, and oftentimes bye weeks can represent an artificial moment to buy on a player in your league on possibly a good player maybe a guy who wouldn't be a buy low or wouldn't even be a buy otherwise but maybe if their owner is hard up and that player is entering into the buy um maybe it's not creates an opportunity uh, uh to make some offers uh, for that player because maybe maybe his owner if he's in a tough situation, won't be able to withstand or absorb that buy and needs to win now and needs to make some moves. It's the Lions and the Packers that are going into the buy for week five. So um, you may want to just take a look and see if any of the marquee players from those teams are on, you know, losing teams in your league and, you know, see if there's a, uh, um, see if, see if there's a chance to be opportunistic there on a Lions or Packers marquee player in your league. Um, that's the way that we need to be thinking. Um, of course, everybody, we always ask uh, to please subscribe and to follow us at RosterWatch uh, over at RosterWatch.com. Follow us on Twitter at RosterWatch. Uh, please subscribe to us here uh, on YouTube, uh, the RosterWatch channel on YouTube. And uh, let's go ahead and dive right in because we've got a lot of names to cover. We have a big trade market, a big fantasy football trade market right here on the rosterwatch.com tradecast for week five. Uh, so let's get going, ladies and gentlemen. Okay, let's talk about the players uh, that maybe, you know, we, we want to look to sell super high on um, in order to get an, an elite, a super premium player in return. You know, I think this is a batch of, sell high running backs that we can also uh, consider liquidating if we have other holes that we need to fill if we need two good starters in return to help complete our starting lineup uh, and make us more competitive so uh, this first group of running backs i want to talk about it's 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 only a sell super high and these are assets that we would want to use to chase down the biggest names the biggest fish in all of fantasy football uh, these are also guys we could uh, consider uh, liquidating if we're struggling and we need to get two really good players in return. But once again, uh, this batch of running backs, they're not pure sells. They're only sell very highs. And, um, you know, they they may in fact even for some just be flat out holds. But of course, uh, we're going to have to talk about them right here. 
on the Week 5 Tradecast. And we're going to begin uh, with Melvin Gordon of the Denver Broncos. Uh, it was an unexpected 25 points in Week 4 uh, with a third-string quarterback at the helm. I think that was a pleasant surprise for all Melvin Gordon owners. Uh, on the back of two more touchdowns in Week 4, Melvin Gordon is 44% touchdown dependent and standard formats on the season, which is you know well above the mark of uh, what represents you know reliable and sustainable uh, fantasy production at current levels. Uh, obviously, we have a Philip Lindsay return that is seemingly imminent. Uh, we do have a Drew Locke return that's also seemingly imminent. I think that kind of helps everybody on the Broncos offense. Um, but in the end, Melvin Gordon has basically been performing as like a low-end RB1. And at least recently. And the truth is Gordon is probably on the season more of an RB2, which is exactly what we drafted him to be. Um, I think he's an upside RB2. Again, probably exactly what we drafted him to be. And, you know, Melvin Gordon gets a tough matchup this week um, that I think it's going to require that he finds the end zone. Um, but if he's able to get through this week with any success, uh, I, th- I think Melvin Gordon owners will be looking forward to uh, week six and week seven because those are two home matchups with Miami and Kansas City. And again, Drew Locke will hopefully be back by then. So, you know, those are good things that bode well for Gordon, you know, too. So, you know, it's a reminder that Gordon is not a pure sell. He's only a sell high, a sell very high coming off the 25 uh, point game in week four. And um, again, you got to think to yourself, well, who am I going to sell Melvin Gordon high for? You don't want to sell Melvin Gordon to make a marginal move. You need to make meaningful trades, Um, meaningful trades that align with your needs as a team. And, uh, you know, I would think of the top three, four, five names in all of fantasy football. And that's who I would be targeting if I was going to use Melvin Gordon uh, in order to uh, to consolidate and level up for one of the apex predators, one of the super premium players, one of the biggest names in all of fantasy football. Of course, as I mentioned uh, later in this episode, episode, we'll give you some options as to um, you know guys that you might consider targeting if you're a Melvin Gordon owner. And then on the other hand, if you're a Melvin Gordon owner and you're losing And once again, you need to liquidate him as you've identified you've got holes in your starting lineup. Trade Melvin Gordon for two starters, preferably two starters you think are by lows at the moment. Uh, Maybe guys from uh, this podcast that we talk about that are by lows. Target two of those guys. Target two of those dudes and uh, help, you know, fill out, help complete your starting lineup. Become more competitive and try to win now because ultimately that's what this game is all about. Uh, Let's stick with this group of running backs that are, Sell super duper high, um, certainly not must sells, uh, but guys that we can, I think we can use to go after the biggest fish in all of fantasy football right now. Guys that I think if we're struggling with our starting lineup, we can use to liquidate at this moment um, in order to, to to become more competitive and bring a couple of really good players to our roster. So, um, of course, we're getting a ton of questions this week about Joe Mixon, a player we've spoken about for the last two weeks on this trade cast and you know just remember it's always been part of the plan to get the big joe mixon rebound game in week four and then to reassess and to make some decisions now fortunately at this point in the season we've got some more data 
And so, you know, we have a little bit different views than maybe we had a few weeks ago. But I think it's very, very important to remember that things oftentimes come full circle and that you need to be aware that you, 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 we were predicting this Joe Mixon, you know, breakout. So uh, to me, it's just it's easy to get fooled by what was predictably, you know, a huge performance, obviously bigger than anybody ever expected and something that gets you very, very excited. Um, you know, but you don't want to fall victim to getting too excited about basically something that you predicted. Like we knew this was going to be a nut spot for Joe Mixon. We didn't know it was going to be that good. The fact that it was that good makes us even more confident, but I just think it's so easy to have recency bias is what we're talking about. So don't, you don't want that to totally uh, disrupt the, you know, the sound clear minded views you had going into week four. That thing, that, that said, things have changed and we're going to deal with, you know, the situation that we have at hand now, because what's happened in the past really doesn't matter. Because like I said, we don't want to get fooled by a predictably, predictably explosive Joe Mixon week four performance, but uh, we don't want to be the fools either. Um, so I just, you know, again, be careful not to get caught up in the excitement of the moment. Uh, remember that we've always had a plan in mind uh, with Joe Mixon. And, you know, to me, the six targets were absolutely the most important metric, the most important part of Joe Mixon's week four effort against Jacksonville. Um, Those targets are what Mixon's value are going to be very contingent upon all season. We were extremely disappointed. It was unforgivable, uh, the low target volume that a good receiver like Joe Mixon got in the first three weeks of the season. it's just in this situation, number one, that was what was baked into Joe Mixon's preseason value. But number two, on a team that's going to be up and down in a tough division with a lot of tough matchups with a rookie quarterback and a bad offensive line, you're just, as a, from a fantasy perspective, you're going to need the targets for Mixon to retain the value that you hope for. Um, so that was really, really promising and was my biggest takeaway from Joe Mixon's week four performance, not even the 40 points and the three touchdowns. It was the six targets. Um, I do think Joe Burrow's proficiency is going to somewhat be able to mitigate the inefficiency and the poor quality of the offensive line in Cincinnati. What I mean by that is Joe Burrow is going to put Joe Mixon in scoring opportunities uh, is basically what's going to happen. You know, he's able to run a competent offense because he's such a good young quarterback despite a bad offensive line. It's not ideal, but it is a mitigating factor there in Cincinnati. You know, the line is still a concern, but we, we should keep in mind that as we look ahead, I think it's fair to say that Joe Burrow provides some counterbalance to that. Um, also, you know, the other thing that has really eased up, you know, as far as we look at the big picture on the season is the schedule. As more data, more inputs have come in, and we've gotten updated uh, matchup ratings on uh, the remainder of the teams that Joe Mixon you know faces this year that looks a lot better I mean it's still not great um, but the schedule has eased up kind of on the long run on the big picture for Joe Mixon that makes you feel a little bit better however the next two matchups are quite difficult for Cincinnati on the road at Baltimore and Indianapolis um, in week five and six those are tough games on the matchup tool for Joe Mixon. Uh, then they get a bit of a respite with two solid home games in week seven and week eight. Uh, 
And then it's the week nine bye for Joe Mixon and another tough matchup then coming out of the week nine bye uh, at Pittsburgh in week 10. So I think when you kind of distill all of that, in a way you could say that basically four of the next six weeks could be tricky to pretty tricky for Joe Mixon, especially including the next two on the road at Baltimore in Indianapolis, and I think it could be, you know, it's like you're on a sugar high with Joe Mixon right now. So uh, that could be like a big, big letdown the next couple of weeks if you let your expectations kind of spiral out of control here. And, um, you know, I, I just think that all of these things are to be mindful of when it comes to Joe Mixon, which to me makes he's not an untouchable on our rosters. He's a good player you feel a lot better about. He was your first round pick. Um, you know, with all the other injuries at running back, I think his value only, you know, goes up uh, to his owners. But uh, he's not an untouchable given the situation he's in. He's certainly not a must sell. Um, so, again, I think Mixon is is a guy that we really only want to sell super high on um, to try to consolidate and level up for a, one of the most elite players in fantasy football. Because I'm not sold that that's what we've got in Joe Mixon at this point, And I do not... Um, I don't want to react to the one to the one performance. So I think we're having we have a fair assessment right here of Mixon as you know a good hold, but a guy with his name and that kind of big game in the rearview mirror in Week Four and a tough schedule ahead. That if you can parlay him into one of the biggest fish that you find to be more reliable on the season, I think it'd be a good idea to at least attempt to do so. I will I own Mixon and will attempt to be doing so in my own league this week and we'll give you the names of some of those guys you might want to chase down with Joe Mixon um a little bit later in the show and uh, or again like we discussed with Gordon uh, Joe Mixon could be an actually I think Joe Mixon is probably the ideal guy if you're a losing team which you probably are because you're a Mixon owner if you're a losing team and you have holes in your roster if you're not only losing because Mixon got off to a slow start but maybe you're losing because you've got holes in your starting lineup I think Joe Mixon is the ideal guy he's an outstanding candidate to attempt to liquidate for two very high quality assets in return that'll be starters on your team with good matchups that can help you win right now so if you've identified that your biggest need right now is uh, fielding a more competitive starting lineup um, to get back in the win column and you need a few guys to do it if you're a joe mixon owner um i i i i think it'd be a great solution for you and i would absolutely recommend that you look and see what kind of deal uh, you could do of that nature in your league. I think there's a decent chance that somebody will quote unquote overpay you for Joe Mixon. Um, and, you know, last but not least in this category of kind of quasi elite big name running backs coming off good performances that um, I think you can take this opportunity to sell a little bit high on them and try to see if you can net yourself a really big fish. Uh, last but not least, we, we talked about Gordon. We talked about Mixon. I'd add Todd Gurley to that. Now, Todd Gurley was a guy that we bought low on two weeks ago on this show. It's paid off in spades. Um, he still has an excellent, a fantastic schedule ahead. So we're in no rush to sell Todd Gurley. But if you look at his profile, the touches per game, um, all the concerns surrounding him, what's going on with the Falcons, I, you know, to me right now, his game log looks very, very good. 
Uh, if you look at his fantasy points scored, it all looks very, very good. Uh, Todd Gurley is a very marketable asset, I believe, at this point. So I'm happy to keep him because I think he's got some good games in store that can really help us win this next month. But uh, Todd Gurley, also a guy, I think there's enough question marks about him, and I think his marketability is uh, you know, at a high point right now that if I can use Todd Gurley uh, to pursue – one of the highest and best assets, one of the biggest names in all of fantasy football, somebody that I view as better with more upside and more reliable than Todd Gurley on the season, I mean, I absolutely uh, would take my chance chances doing it. All right, let's get to some running backs that um, I think you can maybe have a, low, a little bit of a lesser ilk than not the Melvin Gordons, not the Joe Mixons, not the Todd Gurleys, uh, maybe a, a notch or two down running backs that um, – you know, I think you can. You should also. You know, I might not necessarily be able to go after the biggest names in fantasy football and all of fantasy football with these guys, but I think they're players you can still use right now to try to track down, um, try to track down an elite guy in a consolidation trade. I don't know that either one of these players will retain enough value to be a candidate to liquidate if you're struggling. But I think they're two very ideal consolidation. Um, uh, trade pieces. Uh, so let me just dive into them right now. Yeah, let's see here. We're going to take Melvin Gordon down and voila. We're going to put Devin Singletary up for the week five trade cast. A sell high for an elite player. Um, Devin Singletary. I'll give you guys the rundown here. 40 touches over the last two weeks. In some ways, Devin Singletary could even have more upside in this offense because he's only a 15% touchdown-dependent player on the season, which means he really hasn't gotten the end zone much yet. And that's on an 89% snap count in the last two weeks, which is like an eye-popping snap count. And the fact is, Devin Singletary's capitalized on his opportunity. He's looked awesome. So we're not really totally itching to sell because we like being attached to this offense in Buffalo, which is uh, entertaining and on fire. Um, and, you know, and we always remember again, and something, some ways things kind of come full circle because before the draft, before the bills drafted Zach Moss, I mean, Devin Singletary was one of my, you know, big breakout, you know, year two guys that I had all, uh, all my sights set on and uh, Zach Moss coming in kind of changed that. So, you know, I don't think that we totally want to, um, you know, we, we I don't think we want to lose sight of the fact that Devin Singletary still has quite a bit of upside in this uh, particular situation. And he has a pretty good schedule for the next six weeks, including a really nice stretch for the next three weeks. And of course, we're always talking about winning now on the rosterwatch.com trade cast and how we can do that through the trade market, how we can do that through. Uh, waiver wires in our leagues and um you know the other thing i'm seeing with singletary here is the two tougher matchups that he gets in this upcoming six week span those occur at home so singletary and really really pleasant and favorable schedule for the next six weeks um you know but i think if we take buffalo at face value and we look at their intentions for what they were intending to do at the outset of the season um, you know, in week one and week two before Zach Moss got hurt, you know, what we saw was Zach Moss was a 10 touch per game, 45% snap count guy, which is that like, there's, a, that's a very common type of player in this league, a very common, like 
2A type player in this league gets that 10, 12, 8, 10, 12 touches a game, that 35 to 50% snap count, and Moss was right in the pocket for that. Now, Singletary has performed so well that maybe he's put this thing on lockdown, but I, I do think we have to be careful that Buffalo has kind of shown their hand here, and we need to be willing to deal in reality, and I think we know that they're going to want to get Zach Moss involved, and I think we know about how much they're want, going to want to get him involved. Now, that said, at a 45% snap count, 10 touch a game, Zach Moss, I think that still leaves plenty of meat on the bone for Devin Singletary uh, to still be a really nice flex. Um, and, you know, But after the way he's played and the way his team looks, He's getting over five targets per game. You know, I, I suppose it's possible that Singletary could still offer kind of like low-end RB1 production on the season if everything just goes just right. So to me, if you kind of reconcile all of that, that uh, that probably leaves Devin Singletary as like a middling RB2, which is still a plenty nice player and better than what you expected by the time you drafted him because his ADP really – fell like a rock during dra- through draft season. So if you got an RB2 out of Singletary, like that was definitely better than you uh, were probably expecting. Um, so I think that's his value the rest of the season. You know, his touchdown dependency, I said it was 15%. It could indicate Singletary's got more upside. But for a player of Singletary's profile we've seen in the past, it can also indicate he just doesn't necessarily have the propensity to score in that particular offense. So Devin Singletary, a good keep on a very hot offense, but I think based on everything we know, he's always the type of asset uh, you should be willing to leverage uh, for a better player when the right opportunity strikes. And I think this really could be the case with Singletary, especially before Zach Moss totally reintegrates. That said, if you got to keep him, and if you have realistic expectations and you're being honest with yourself, um, you have a really nice player in Singletary, probably in your flex, maybe your RB2 here over the next six weeks. Um, but uh, again, if I'm a Singletary owner, I think this is a great time to try to be opportunistic and you know see if I could package Singletary and another player and move up um, for a bigger name in fantasy football. And then, of course, uh, a golden son of Roster Watch Nation, one of our favorites, one of yours truly's favorites. I mean, I'm, I think I'm the original Antonio Gibson loyalist absolutist i i discovered him at the senior bowl really before anybody um this year told you he looked like a joe mixon or a david johnson out there and uh man people are excited about gibson right now he's looking great antonio gibson the rookie running back uh in washington a player they were comfortable enough with to cut adrian peterson who looks still very spry now in Detroit and was by all counts having a good training camp. So I think it tells you what they thought about Gibson and, and camp. And I think everything is going totally accordingly. Gibson looks great. He's an ascending young player that's quickly trending in the right direction right now. And um, look, people are hyped about Antonio Gibson right now. I'm seeing it on the message boards at roster watch. I'm seeing it on Twitter and they're so hyped that even the chicken littles that are super late to the party on Antonio Gibson are finally starting to come out because they're becoming becoming comfortable enough uh, with this player that otherwise they had no idea who the hell he was just a month ago. And as we know, Chicken Littles, they live in a state of irrational, you know, fear and um, 
if they don't know somebody, if they haven't heard about somebody, if they don't see that the stock value is already going up, uh, they're not they're not interested. These are the people that never make really very much money in life, um, uh, because usually they're they're kind of a step or two behind. So 17 touches was Gibson's most touches of the season in a tough matchup on the road last week at Baltimore. I mean, as were his 20 fantasy points and his five targets. So these were all season highs, 17 touches, 20 fantasy points, five targets, and even his snap count was a season high for Antonio Gibson in week four. However, it's still just a 44% snap count um, with a horrible quarterback situation in Washington. Kyle Allen um, has just been promoted. Uh, Dwayne Haskins has been benched. I mean, that, that said, I will mention that Kyle Allen was the quarterback in Carolina last year when Christian McCaffrey went bananas. And uh, Scott Turner, the offensive coordinator, and Ron Rivera come from Carolina, and they've compared Gibson to a McCaffrey type. So who knows? Maybe Kyle Allen will will favor him and continue to feed him more targets um, because we've been seeing those tick up every week. But I don't think there's – it would be honest to say that the quarterback situation in Washington is anything other than terrible. Um, the next three matchups for Antonio Gibson, the Rams, the Giants, and the Cowboys are all very solid matchups. He's got a bye in week eight. Um, two of those next three matchups are at home. Um, so, again, we like Antonio Gibson. This is a good spot for Antonio Gibson. He's going to be a good player on the season. I personally drafted him in the fourth round of every one of my drafts. He was high on the cheat sheet, higher than all these turds, Mark Ingram, Leonard Fournette, all these guys that you guys are so happy that you own Gibson over. Uh, at this at this point of the season so um you know again Antonio Gibson not not a sell only a sell high and only if you are pursuing one of the biggest names in all of fantasy football um I think Gibson looks like a very solid RB2 the rest of the season um but to be fair I think unless we see his volume and his snap count continue to go way up um I mean his upside just by default has to be limited in this uh, Redskins offense. Um, if I can use Antonio Gibson to level up in a trade deal for a true, true RB one for maybe a top five to seven wide receiver, uh, I'm definitely looking uh, into it. All right, ladies and gentlemen, we'll keep moving along here uh, on the running back front on the Week Five fantasy football trade market right here on the RosterWatch.com TradeCast. I'm Byron Lambert, and I thank each and every one of you for all of your support at roster watch and also for joining me here every week um uh to you know break down all the moves that you know we want to make this week on the trade market these are moves i told you i started the show out with my trade for mark andrews last week i literally as went on thursday morning woke up looked at my notes from the trade cast and i went out and made offers on all those dudes so i hope that you'll do the same um i promise you if you can go out this year and make it more consolidation trade that you've ever made in the past you'll thank me at the end of the season uh that you've built one of the best teams uh that you've uh, ever put together in your fantasy football league so let's uh get to another group of maybe a little bit lower level running backs now i think these are guys that you always try to sell high on whenever you can whenever they sell high whenever their value is up you try to sell high uh, on this uh, on this batch of players now, and we've talked about uh, we've talked about Mark Ingram before, but we haven't talked about Jarek McKinnon before in this same little group of guys here. So I think Jarek McKinnon, um, he's the real deal this season. 
I mean, he's been excellent almost every week. Love the scheme. Love the Kyle Shanahan situation. I think he's like a real piece of this um, offense. And truly, I think you can probably, you know, we'll see. But I, I think he's probably a flex uh, the rest of the way. Uh, we got a couple of good matchups on the horizon here for Jarek McKinnon the next few weeks as well. They're at their couple of home games. So, again, certainly not a uh, must-sell for Jarek McKinnon. But, look, with Raheem Mustard, you know, close to a return, you know, I would at least be thinking to myself if I'm a McKinnon owner, you know, what is the highest and best asset that I can parlay Jarek McKinnon into right now while his marketability is probably at a, if not a career high, I mean the highest it's been in years at this point. Um you know, again, otherwise, I think it's about expectations and what your team needs are. I think he's a fine flex the rest of the season. Um, but look, you know, we're talking about Jarek McKinnon. We're talking about a running back by committee. We're talking about Kyle Shanahan, who, you know, is very difficult to prognosticate the long-term viability uh, of his of his running backs. I just think McKinnon is a good player. You're happy to keep. He's performed very admirably, but he's the, he's the perfect candidate uh, you know, to use as an asset uh, to try to go pursue a player that you feel more comfortable with, you think is going to be more reliable on the season and will make your team more competitive. Uh, the other running backs that I would put in this same bucket with Jarek McKinnon, Ronald Jones, he's got the Thursday night matchup, tough one at the Bears. Um, he got nine targets. He couldn't do anything with them last week. We saw Keyshawn Vaughn finally get involved sounds like Leonard Fournette probably doubtful so just based on volume just based on being attached uh to this Bucks offense I mean Jones is a good looks you know like a pretty good running back for them between the 20s uh but you know he's not that good on on in the receiving game and uh he doesn't really have he's not a hammer so both of those reasons the reasons that I don't think he's really going to ever be prolific around the red zone which is really what you're hoping for attached to this offense now no Leonard Fournette, obviously. I think that bodes well for Jones maybe finally uh, getting in the end zone. But um, I think he's a good, still a fine play if you need him this week. But i just say while his value is still um, you know, enticing to others in your league, if you don't absolutely have to have Ronald Jones this week for some reason, like take Ronald Jones, package him up, get him the hell off your roster so you don't have to worry about that headache uh, the rest of the season. See if you can get up. You just, I mean, this is what we're talking about. You don't, even though Jones is a fine, you feel okay about him from last week. You feel fu- kind of good about the volume you might get this week, but you know, deep down, you don't, you don't feel comfortable with Ronald Jones the rest of the season. You're nervous about, are you going to be able to trust him? He doesn't feel reliable, you know, later on. So get rid of that headache, improve your team and use Ronald Jones to trade up for a better player in your league. Uh, I would also consider doing that with Mark Ingram. Talked about him a couple weeks ago. Said anytime you can sell high on Mark Ingram, uh, you ought to be out there trying your damnedest to do it. Um, you know, and you've got to with him. You got to wait for him to get his value up. He's going to be so inconsistent. So these times, it's not every week you could trade Mark Ingram. So uh, when that uh, you know iron is hot, it's time to strike. And then Mike Davis, Carolina. Um, Obviously, his viability is going to be short-lived with McCaffrey coming back. And I, I just think he's a guy that, you know, historically, his production is going to be short-lived, uh, period, uh, just based on the type of player that he is. He can come in and have a lot of juice for one, two, couple of games. But we've seen it. That guy, these average players, 
they run out of gas, man, after a few games. You can't you can't expect it. So, like, I think Mike Davis has a great game log. His value looks good right now. Um, if there's somebody in your league that's like a desperate losing team and needs starters right now, like I think Mark Mike Davis is a perfect guy to throw in, you know, as that second player in a deal and that somebody can start this week and feel good about and it can help them get a win. Look, when you're the losing team, you don't have the leverage. You don't have all to say. This is the great thing about being the winning team or being in a position of strength is that uh, uh, you can worry a little bit more about just collecting the best players. The losing teams have to worry if they're being rational about winning you know, this week. So if I had Mike Davis, if I had Mark Ingram, if I had Ronald Jones, if I had Jarek McKinnon, I would certainly be looking into selling all of those guys high this week uh, to see if I could bring back a better, more reliable player uh, that has better prospects on the rest of the season you know, in return. Now, I know this is what you guys are waiting for. We've talked about all these guys that we want to sell. It's a big week. So the good news is you'll have a lot of options this week um, of guys that you can deal with. Like I think this is going to be a very active trade market because um, there's a lot of guys with marketability. And there's also guys that we're interested in buying low on this week, maybe some big-name guys. So here it is. Let's talk about Zeke Elliott. There he is fumbling that football uh, against the Cleveland Browns this last week. And look, the game log is fine for Zeke Elliott. Um, he, it, it, it's fine, but pe- people feel a little bit down about him. I think because of the Cowboys, I think because of the fumbles. Um, and, and the fact is Zeke's performed admirably, but there's a, a whole batch of running backs that are performing significantly better than Zeke at this moment. So you know, you're never going to buy low on Ezekiel Elliott, but as I always say, like the fact that he's even potentially available is a major development in your league. I mean, the fact that he could even potentially be uh, even in, in consideration, and I think he is this week, and he's the kind of super elite player they're always looking to obtain. So all these guys we just talked about, you know, uh, from Melvin Gordon to Joe Mixon to Todd Gurley, Devin Singletary, Antonio Gibson, the McKinnons of the world. Um, you know, how can you how can you get some of these guys together and go after a player like Zeke Elliott in your league this week? It'd be a very very shrewd move to make. I mean, uh, you take your chances. You take your chances with guys like a roster full of guys like Zeke Elliott. And if it doesn't shake out, it wasn't meant uh, to be. Um, he's the type of guy that we're always looking to obtain. Remember these super elite apex predators the biggest fish in all of fantasy and uh they don't get much bigger than uh, zeke elliott in your fantasy football trade market uh, the other guy i'd kind of put up there with zeke is clyde edwards elaire 70 percent snap count 22 p- touches per game over the last two weeks that's great volume that's great activity that's great participation rate i mean from my perspective with saquon barkley and christian mccaffrey sideline i mean Clyde Edwards-Alaire is one of the elite of the elite in all of fantasy football, not just only based on the situation, but because of his talent. But of course, you want to be attached to a Patrick Mahomes, Andy Reid offense. I mean, the volume's there. Edwards-Alaire looks awesome. You know, but the box score, the fantasy box score, the bottom line fantasy production hasn't been just totally eye-popping the last couple of weeks. So again, you're not going to buy low, much like Zeke on Edwards-Alaire, but the fact that he's even available 
is really noteworthy in your league. And if you're in position to do it, like you should try to go after Zeke. You should try to go after Clyde Edwards Elaire this week. Uh, Clyde Edwards Elaire, three top six matchups at home uh, over the next five weeks before the week 10 buy. So like this is going to be a really good stretch uh, for Clyde as well. And uh, I think he'd be well suited, um, you know, to take a look at, to take a look at those guys and see if you can bring home one of those super big fish in your league. And of course, this is more than likely going to be if you're a winning team uh, and you've got a bunch of assets on your roster that are performing well, take two of those guys, package them up, go get yourself Zeke Elliott, go get yourself Clyde Edwards Elaire. Um, when we're talking about those guys as running back uh, buy targets for week five, um, you know, I think we can mention a couple of guys maybe just a notch below them. We'll call them quasi elite players that I would certainly look in um, to what their situation is in my league. Um, because I think when both of these players start finding the end zone again, I mean, there's a good chance it's going to be wheels up all over. Josh Jacobs, Las Vegas Raiders. Uh, it's a middling to pretty tough schedule through week 11 from now until then, including a week six bye next week. So you kind of need to always look at the schedule, know what you're getting uh, when you're making a trade for players. Um, look at the schedules for all the players involved. That's always important to see what's going on in the trade. Um, you know, I think Josh Jacobs is seemingly always a little bit injured, a little bit banged up. So we don't want to go bananas here. You know, we've seen the declining snap count percentage for Jacobs the last couple of weeks, turning into more of a 65, 70% snap count guy. Really not the 75 plus percent snap count guy we were hoping for. Kind of like the, um, you know, the, the, the super elite players at that position in the league. Um, but we, we do love seeing 4.24 targets per game. That is encouraging for Josh Jacobs this year. And the fact is on the season, he's second in the league at 24 touches per game. So big picture, he's been a volume hog to this point. Um, the offense has been struggling a little lately with the wide receiver injuries. Uh, the Raiders are about to get a little healthier there. So I just think 24 touches a game, it's hard to ignore. Um, I think I'd see if I could get a deal on Josh Jacobs from a struggling team in my league. He would make an awesome RB2 or if you're fortunate enough to make him a flex, like that would be an awesome flex to add to your squad. And then the other guy would be Miles Sanders. I think a couple of second-year running backs here. I mean, guys that are just historically in prime position to have big breakout. Miles Sanders running back for the Philadelphia Eagles. Um, another guy I would target in trades this week. Like I, I, I'm really interested in personally targeting Miles Sanders in my own leagues this week. Um, the next two weeks are kind of tough, Pittsburgh and Baltimore. So if we can't get him now for the right price, you know, this is a guy, you know, we don't want to go crazy over because of those matchups the next two weeks. But um, I think we could have an opportunity. There could be a little window here on Miles Sanders for a week or two. But after Pittsburgh and Baltimore, I think the window will be shut because Sanders is going to get good matchups with the New York Giants and the Dallas Cowboys in the division before the week nine by. So that'll be week seven and eight. Um, three of his next four games are at home. I think that's all good for Miles Sanders. And we're expecting the Eagles offense to begin getting a little healthier here uh, pretty soon. So we love seeing 20 touches a game for a player like Miles Sanders. Uh, that's more than you could hope for. Like that's for a guy of his profile, um, that's that's an excellent number that is very promising for Miles Sanders prospects on the season. Um, he's not been, you know, like I said, him and Jacobs not been touchdown dependent. Um, really on the 
entirety of the season, especially Sanders, has not been touchdown dependent on the season. I think he scored one time. Um, for him, uh, I, I definitely think that means there's a lot of potential positive regression in store because he's playing a 77% snap count, folks. Miles Sanders, that's a big snap count. That's a big, big time snap count for a player like that. Also getting the six targets a game, that's a massive number. Um, so look, Miles Sanders continues to be a prime candidate for a breakout explosion in year two. But more importantly, I think down the stretch this year, which isn't too dissimilar to what we saw with Miles Sanders last year. So if I can't get in on a Zeke, if I can't get in on a Clyde edwards Lair, you know, I think I'm really, really trying like hell to get in on a Miles Sanders. And, you know, he, he, the difference in price tag for Sanders over those other two guys, uh, that he may in fact be the prime target of the week on the fantasy football uh, running back market. All right, we'll keep moving along here, folks. It's a big episode of the Week 5 RosterWatch.com Tradecast. It's a huge trade market out there, and uh, we're breaking it all down for you. So, a couple more running backs here before we get over to the wide receiver position that you might consider buying low on in your league. Uh, we gave you a lot of sell high guys, so we want to have a fair amount of buy targets here. And um, let's just hop right into it. Uh, it was a tough week last week and a lot of reason to remain skeptical, but he made the list this week. He made the week five trade cast, and that's going to be David Montgomery, the running back of the Chicago Bears. He's got that backfield all to himself. This week, uh, Thursday night, it's a tough matchup. It is at home. He gets the uh, formidable uh, Tampa Bay Buccaneers uh, you know, defense here. Uh, but after week five, uh, it's going to be a really solid schedule before the week 11 bye for David Montgomery. Um, he did, of course, leave a lot to be desired last week. I think we were expecting a lot more. It was a tough matchup. We all knew it was a tough matchup against Indianapolis, which I think is a cautionary tale in this also tough matchup at home against Tampa Bay this week. Um, and, of course, we never trust Matt Nagy. Uh, you know, but I think we could still find some hope in David Montgomery, just especially on the season. Uh, 85% snap count last week. That's a monster snap count number. You hear this percentages I've been throwing around on these other guys. 4.1 yards per carry. Um, that's, in, that's, that's a good enough number that it gives me some hope for David Montgomery. And then, of course, Nick Foles' integration in the offense. It was a little bit rocky this last week and a tough matchup. But, you know, just to continue to think that the Nick Foles reintegration or integration into this Bears offense really just – is good for everybody. I think we even saw it with Allen Robinson this last week, as we predicted uh, on the show really last week, is that Nick Foles is, uh, if you get him for Allen Robinson, even in the face of a formidable schedule, I think it's kind of a mitigating factor. So we can just going to have to hope that that bleeds over, I think, to Montgomery, because he has absolutely no legitimate competition in that Bears backfield. And, you know, from actually watching the games, I think he looks pretty good. He looks pretty good, but the thing with Montgomery is he's a guy that needs volume, and we've known that ever since we began scouting him. So hopefully the 85% snap count will beget the increase in volume that we would expect in the post Tariq Cohen era with Dave Montgomery. Uh, he's got three-down capability. He needs to be getting more involved. So we'll kind of have to wait and see, but I, uh, to me, Dave Montgomery – if you can get him for cheap enough, now, like, he's a guy you should be able to get for pretty cheap right now. 
is a really awesome target. I mean, what a great flex he would be the rest of the season. Jonathan Taylor, Indianapolis Colts, another name I see flying around a lot on the message boards at rosterwatch.com. Um, he's clearly available on some trade markets, and uh, he's just he's a good enough talent in a good enough situation that if he's available in your league, uh, you know you should have uh, you know you should have some eyes for Jonathan Taylor. You should at least have uh, a nose for. Uh, sniffing around on you know what his situation is in your league again it's kind of a lower level deal maybe you have a couple of maybe just a couple of like flex guys you want to trade you're not ready you're not in position to go after one of these big big fish like just like using the waiver wire cheat sheet you don't always have to go after the top guys the highest priority sometimes you're better served you know doing some lower level deals going after for some guys that are going to be cheaper on the waiver wire that'll be more valuable in a couple of weeks we can also do that on our trade market, um, Derek Henry. Uh, I, I I bring up his name just because of the coronavirus situation going on with the Titans. You know, much like uh, we discussed at the outset of this program, uh, in terms of bye weeks creating sometimes an artificial buy moment on good players, even when they're you know they haven't necessarily been underperforming greatly. Um, I you know I think this is akin to that. If if somehow. Derrick Henry and the Titans get screwed again this week because of COVID. I mean, his owner, he could have an owner who's in real trouble. So again, this is a time to potentially be opportunistic. If you're a winning team that can avoid, avoid to, you know, eat another missed game out of Derrick Henry, you're not going to get him for cheap. But if you've got enough assets to do it, what a coup that would be to add Derrick Henry uh, to your roster. Um, right now i mean that that would just be like that's the kind of guy that you'll get an injection just a massive injection to of performance to your roster uh here as the season progresses and i think would be a total game changer now how likely is he to be available i'm not sure you'll have to check around your league and you'll certainly have to i think it with henry be very contingent upon whether the titans uh, have another covid setback clearly if he plays uh he's probably not going to be on the table in your league just because uh, his owner already had to kind of eat a little bit of shit last week with Derrick Henry. Nick Chubb, Austin Eckler, I think these are guys that we treat similar kind of to Christian McCaffrey, the discussion we've had uh, the past few weeks. Really only guys that they're stashes that you only really want to trade for if you're undefeated and have so many assets that it doesn't, it's no skin off your back to put those guys at the bottom of your bench and to give up whatever it's going to take to get them in return. Uh, I think we need to consider that, you know, even when we want to say it's similar to the Christian McCaffrey discussion, I mean, it, obviously to a lesser degree, um, I think especially Eckler, whose injury looked really bad, you know, and is probably not quite on the same, maybe not quite on the same level as Chubb, even though Eckler was going bananas when Herbert came in. So I think those are those are luxury. Those are luxury assets, luxury items on the trade market. Nick Chubb, Austin Eckler. We don't want to trade for injured players. I think you know you're going to be in a better situation if you do want them. Wait a week or two. You know, let their owners absorb uh, a couple of lost weeks. Let their owners struggle. Maybe lose another game or two because they're down these guys. And uh, you know, it'd be it'd, it'd be um, a better time to buy anyways once those guys have a little bit of recovery in the rearview mirror. So not an emergency to go after Chubb and Eckler now, but maybe guys we have on the radar if we're undefeated teams or you know nearly undefeated teams with a lot of good players on our, our bench or on our roster. Uh, I think if there's a Nick Chubb or Austin Eckler 
owner in our league that gets into trouble over the course of the next couple of weeks, uh, we could look to capitalize uh, over there. All right, I know you guys are probably tired of hearing about all the running backs for the Week 5 fantasy football trade market, so let's shift gear over to some sell-high wide receivers, guys that, um, much like we started with the running backs today, guys that we want to use to go after an elite player in return. All wide receivers who had big-time Week 4 performances, but guys that I think still retain question marks as it relates to their value rest of the season and maybe just their general situations uh odell beckham an absolute monster at dallas this last week enough to get everybody uh, super excited uh multi-touchdown game uh, potentially going to be more involved with nick chubb out and maybe a burgeoning chemistry uh with cleveland but i think cleveland has you know shown us what type of team they would prefer to be which is a ground and pound team and um you know, I think Odell was is looks like a fine keep and a fine player to own this year. But like, if you can use Odell to go after, you know, one of the really really elite players in the league, I mean, you would it would I mean that's the it, that's the kind of thing that's prudent to at least contemplate right now. These are the things that winning players are con- considering. Like, there's an opportunity here when other people are sleeping and not talking about this stuff. Like the smart players are saying. Well, I'm going to try to make a little bit of hay out of this moment. Uh, DJ Chark, I think, would fall into that category. Had a nice game on paper, a touchdown-dependent game on paper. Still don't know how much. And I think he makes a lot of difference to Jaguars' offense. I think he's a good player, and I think he's got a good season in store. Uh, That said, I don't think he's an elite player. And uh, this represents a ripe opportunity to see if you could parlay DJ Chark uh, into – you know, a player that you view uh, as as better for the rest of the season. And there's those guys are out there because Chark is a nice player, but he's not an elite player. He is a wide receiver, too. Probably a middling wide receiver, too. Uh, Adam Thielen, Minnesota Vikings. Good, good pick, good play, uh, good hold on the season. But I do think, you know, we're going to see Justin Jefferson maybe start to bite into that action a little bit feeling a little bit touchdown dependent you know we still never totally trust being attached to a Kirk Cousins offense just think Thielen is a fine keep but he's got a big enough name and enough production on the season if you can use Adam Thielen and you know in combination with another lesser player to level up to a more elite player like that is the shrewd thing to do open up that liberate that waiver that roster spot for a waiver ad you know move up to a better player and this is this is the building blocks, one by one, uh, to build a big, big Taj Mahal of a team. Um, Terry McLaurin, Devontae Parker, you know, both guys. McLaurin is about to get Kyle Allen, a, an abomination of a quarterback situation. He seems to be the kind of player that can kind of produce no matter what. So McLaurin is a fine keep. Um, if you remember, DJ Moore did well with Kyle Allen last year. In a lot of ways, McLaurin is a very similar type of player to DJ Moore. And clearly the focal point of that passing game in Washington, uh, I just still think it's a bad enough team and a bad enough quarterback situation that, again, McLaurin is not a must-sell. He's fine to keep. But if you can use McLaurin, a player that many people are excited about, to level up for a better player, you would be doing yourself a favor and then the same with Devontae Parker 
And Miami, you know, I'm not sure. It's not two a time yet. And, you know, as we've seen with Justin Herbert, getting the rookie in might not be the worst for the number one wide receiver on the team. Parker, who maybe, you know, could profile kind of like as a Keenan Allen over there. But, um, you know, that's far from that's far from being determined. And there's a lot up in the air. So Devontae Parker, actually, you know, it's been a tough start because of the nagging hamstring. But really, his game log is pretty damn good on the season, considering uh, we got the breakout. I mean, he's still a good player, especially with Fitzpatrick. And he's a fine hold if you have him. I think he's a good guy to keep plugging along with. But again, you know, there's question marks. Why live with those? Why not take Devontae Parker? Why not be strategic? Uh, Take Devontae Parker. Wallace game log looks really good before there's any tumult with a rookie quarterback. Ship him the hell out. Bring somebody back that you trust more that's going to make your roster just look a lot better on uh, paper. And maybe some guys that you can contemplate doing that with uh, would also be some of these buy low wide receiver targets of the week of the week five trade market. Uh, let's begin with Julio Jones. I mean, people are disgusted by the effort that they got out of Julio Jones and Calvin Ridley uh, on Monday night. That ruined a lot of people's nights. It lost a lot of people uh, their leagues this week. And, you know, once again, Jones a year older. And just continuous nagging injuries. And also Calvin Ridley, who I don't think I'm ready to argue is the wide receiver one on that team yet. But based on production, um, you can make that argument. You know, is there plenty to go around? Are the Falcons going to be playing from behind? Is Matt Ryan going to throw for a bunch of yards? Yeah. So, of course, we still like Julio Jones. That's why we're talking about him here. Um, but his owners are down on him right now. He's put him in a bad spot the last few weeks. And um, it's not necessarily looking fantastic for this week. So Julio Jones, one of the big names in all of fantasy football, one of the big, big fish, one of the elite guys out there, Um, still plenty of reason to like him. You're not going to get him for dirt cheap. But again, the fact that you can even buy Julio Jones, the fact that probably you can buy a little bit low on Julio Jones is a big development. Uh, This is where the winning teams, the teams operating from a position of strength, and luxury. This is where they clean up. They start just stacking these dudes up left and right. The Julio Jones and the Clyde Edwards Elairs of the world, the Miles Sanders, and the next thing you know, it's just a it's a it's a cartoonish yeah, mega lineup. And that's what we're aiming for right here on the rosterwatch.com trade cast every week of the season. I think you could look at DeAndre Hopkins. I don't think his owners are gonna sell him real low, but he came off of a tough game, a tougher game this last week. Um, you know, maybe people are a little concerned about the Cardinals offense. I think it's going to be hard to get any type of discount on Hopkins. But again, the fact that he may be, may be outside chance he's even available in your league. Um, I think you want to take a look at it. Um, Chris Godwin. I actually think Chris Godwin, the sneaky one here, his owners could be in real trouble. I'm in Chris Godwin owner. Luckily I've kind of been able to absorb his situation, but God, what two missed games already? Uh, Going to be another missed game this week. Um, we got a bye coming up uh, sooner than later. So his owners aren't thrilled. But if you look at it, like Chris Godwin, the two games he's played, he was he was good, and he didn't even play the whole games. He was good. 
I've been to those training camps. Godwin is a beast. Brady looks good. That offense looks good. Like when Godwin gets in, he's going to be a really nice fantasy player. I just think out of sight, out of mind. He's hurting his owners right now. Um, people are disgusted because they had to draft him so early. And I just think he's fallen out of the conversation as being any type of elite or even quasi-elite fantasy wide receiver. But the problem is um, th- that's just simply not true. He is. He is. Based on talent, based on his situation, Chris Godwin can easily return the type of value you expected when you drafted him this season uh, once he gets healthy. Um so, you know, that's, I think, one of the sneaky, sneaky targets. If you're a winning team and there's a losing Godwin team out there, God, they're not married to him anymore. And what a great player to slide over to your team that can be like, imagine if Chris Godwin is your flex or wide receiver three. I mean, that's an absolute freaking monster. And uh, I would highly, highly instruct you guys to see if you're winning, if you're 4-0, 3-1, if you got a ton of assets, you can afford to give up what it takes to help the Chris Godwin owner, maybe with a couple of guys to help him win this week and next week. Like, go check out Chris Godwin in your league. Like, he's not, you're not gonna have to pay for him like Julio Jones or DeAndre Hopkins, but truthfully, once he gets back in, he could put up similar production. Uh, maybe a little bit notch or two below that as possible wide receiver trade targets i think at this point we all know dj moore is a buy low the conversation at this point is he even the wide receiver one on his team uh doesn't look like it at this point you know still seems like maybe rational minds could prevail uh that more at some point would overtake robbie anderson who robbie anderson i've seen him at jets camp he's a good good player that was kind of a miscast uh, in New York, and I think also unhappy. So I don't want to totally diminish or trivialize him, but you know, it just it, it does feel like DJ Moore should at least, if he's not going to rise to become the one on the team, it seems like he would at least kind of rise up to become the one B on this team. And I can only get better for DJ Moore. So we're not entirely sure what we're going to get. You don't want to go crazy, but I think it's like it's a calculated risk to go in on DJ Moore and you might be able to get him for so cheap at this point um, that it's, you know, again, really not that risky for you to do. And if you can add DJ Moore as a wide receiver three or a flex, I think that's a smart move. I think it's a smart move. We need the depth. We're going to need the depth to navigate the attrition of this season, ladies and gentlemen. And then AJ Brown of the Tennessee Titans. Again, we'll need to watch the COVID situation with him. Um, and certainly his owners have been waiting forever to get him back. But if you've been an A.J. Brown owner, I mean, you've been in purgatory. And uh, you might not be able to afford to wait much longer. So I think A.J. Brown is another guy. Like, if you're in a winning situation um, and you can afford the kind of luxury of putting A.J. Brown on your bench or at the bottom of your roster, give up a couple guys for him if his owner's in a tough situation. Uh, look, Brown was a guy that was hyper-efficient last year. We thought was overvalued during drafts. Um, that said, like when he comes back, he's clearly going to be him and the Janu Smith show, uh, as far as, you know, the receivers on that team, everybody else stinks. Uh, it's a low volume passing game, but AJ Brown's a beast. And, uh, I think if you could add him as a wide receiver three or a flex, uh, you would be served well uh, to do so. All right. And then, uh, let's give you 
my final trade target of the week of the week five trade market, the week five fantasy football trade market right here on the rosterwatch.com trade cast. Um, before we get to some examples of some mock trades, we'll give you my last uh, trade target of the week. And we've been giving you a few tight ends lately. I told you how it worked out for me with Mark Andrews last week. Well, maybe it can work out for you guys with Zach Ertz uh, this week. Uh, 95% snap count in week four. Uh, the production just absolutely has not been there for Zach Ertz. We know that Dallas Goddard's out. Um, you know, the matchups aren't necessarily beautiful moving forward. But look, the top 10 tight ends in standard formats currently are Robert Tanyan, Travis Kelsey, Mark Andrews, Janu Smith, Noah Fant, Dalton Schultz, Tyler Higby, Jimmy Graham, Mo Ali Cox, and Mike Gesicki. So certainly much different than we expect, expected over the season. I think you could go as far as saying tight end has basically been you know a mess, which is not totally surprising. Um, so look, that's a headache I'd like to just put in the rearview mirrors, kind of set it and forget it. You know, I think over the course of the season, the numbers will eventually be there. So maybe like I did for Mark Andrews this week, you guys go after Zach Ertz uh, uh, this week and, uh, you know, take a tight end, take another player, take a, take a good tight end, you know, take another player on your team that's a solid flex, go to that Zach Ertz owner who's likely to be struggling and see if you can bring him home. I think that'd be a, a really nice ad that could make your starting lineup uh, more competitive as we continue through the season all right so we always end with some examples of some mock trades that you guys can you know consider as just a template for what to do in your own leagues and we always are using the guys the names of the players we discussed in this uh, trade cast so that it's relevant and pertinent but of course there's other players in your league that you may have identified our trade targets and uh, you know for a variety of reasons and we can't cover them here all of them here every single week but you know apply these same strategies apply these same concepts uh, to making those deals on those players in your league so let's say for instance that we want to go after Ezekiel Elliott we said we want to go after the biggest fish in all of fantasy in this episode and none bigger than Zeke Elliott especially in a high-flying offense that Cowboys offense is just I mean, they're going to be in a lot of games that force them to score a lot of points this year. So why not take Joe Mixon and DJ Chark or Joe Mixon and Mark Ingram or Melvin Gordon and Devontae Parker and go to maybe a Zeke owner that's struggling in your league that needs two players in return and try to get something done. Like that's the type of deal that you would want to try to do for Ezekiel Elliott. If you have a losing Ezekiel Elliott owner in your league, it would be malpractice. It would be negligent not to try to take Joe Mixon, Melvin Gordon, another maybe wide receiver two, running back two type, package them up and see if you can move in on Zeke Elliott this week in week five. Uh, I think you could do something a little bit lesser, but similar for Clyde Edwards-Elaire. Or if you want to really turn it down a notch or two, I think you could do um, uh, something for Josh Jacobs and Miles Sanders. And when I look at that group, truthfully, I think Miles Sanders might be the best trade target, the best value of them all. The guy you give up the least for that has maybe the most, uh, at least the best ratio of upside to uh, what it's going to take to get him, the cost to, to, to get him. Uh, Miles Sanders really coming into focus for me uh, on the week five fantasy football trade market right, right here live on the program with you guys. Um, we just talked about Zach Ertz. 
Can you take Noah Fant or Janu Smith or even Dalton Schultz, who's been doing great, throw in a Jarek McKinnon and get Zach Ertz? You know, we talked about roster balancing trades, the one-for-one trade. So maybe you're deep at wide receiver, but you're struggling at tight end. Can you trade DJ Chark for Zach Ertz? Um, maybe you're a Tyler Higbee owner that's a little bit worried about the trends that we're seeing with that tight end situation. Take Mike, take Tyler Higby, take an overperforming Mike Davis, whose value is going to be short-lived, but maybe really, really meaningful to somebody who can use him, you know, this week or the next couple of weeks. Trade him for Zach Ertz. Like that's the way to get a good Zach Ertz deal done. We'll see if it works out. But in the end, like none of this is guaranteed. You're going to hit your wagon to the guys that we think are the best. And we're going to let the chips fall where they may. And we'll rest easy at night knowing that we have a guy like Zach Ertz in our tight end spot uh, basically the rest of the way. Um, We talked about Chris Godwin. So we love Miles Sanders as a target this week. Love Zach Ertz as a target this week. We need a tight end. And then at wide receiver, I think I love Chris Godwin as a target this week for winning teams that can spare uh, a little bit more missed time here out of Godwin. If you can pick that dude up as a wide receiver three or a flex, He's going to change your entire season. You just watch. You'll be thanking me over at rosterwatch.com uh, probably like a month from now. So I guess can you get Chris? Can you get an injured Chris Godwin who's not even going to play this week for a Ronald Jones and a Mark Ingram from his owner? Like maybe his owner needs a running back and a flex play this week. You know, maybe those aren't the two exact guys, but something like that in order. Uh, to pursue Chris Godwin is a recommended and a winning move for winning teams in fantasy. Folks, identify your needs. Target losing teams. Ask yourself, are you a team operating from a position of strength or luxury? Are you undefeated? Are you a one-loss team? Do you have a stockpile of quality assets? Always maintain a focus on your starting lineup when considering any deal. Ask yourself, is this rational? Is this logical? This is like a puzzle, guys. Does it make sense for your team? Have you identified your needs? Are you buying or are you buying low? Are you selling? Are you selling high? Are you selling low? Look at it like, you know, uh, you're trying to optimize your roster. You know, again, it's like a puzzle. Is this the highest and best trade I can make or use of my assets right now? What's the net fallout from this deal I'm considering? Where am I noticeably upgrading my roster, especially my starting lineup? What a meaningful value am I giving away in this deal? Try to distill this guy all down, guys. You got to try to get to the bottom line in life. If you can quickly get to the bottom line and get, get, you know, get kind of net this whole thing out, what, the, what does it really mean? You'll be well served on your fantasy football trade market uh, you'll be well served in life. Who does this send to your bench? Does this trade upgrade your starting lineup? Are the guys you're trading for starters? Are they going to be starters on your team? Who are the principals involved in the deal you're looking at? Are you getting the best player in this deal? Are you a losing team that needs to liquidate? Do you even need to get multiple players in return? What are the upcoming schedules for the players involved in the trade deals you're looking at? Again, make meaningful trades, Roster Watch Nation. Craft deals that are enticing to the other party. Take the time to do it. 
it'll increase your success rate. You'll get more deals done like that. And it doesn't, you don't worry about trying to get one over on somebody so much. Just, you know, follow what we've laid out here, value these players, be vigilant, be opportunistic, and make deals that are appealing and enticing to the other party so you can actually get something done. And last but not least, ladies and gentlemen, quit overpaying for quarterbacks. Please, everybody, uh, subscribe, listen, rate, review, follow us uh, on YouTube, the Roster Watch channel on YouTube. Follow us on Twitter at Roster Watch. Of course, check us out on the site at rosterwatch.com. And of course, uh, we always have to thank each and every one of you for your undying and loyal support over 10 years at rosterwatch.com. Now, none of this would be possible without you. It's uh, my pleasure uh, to serve on the front lines for all of your fantasy football teams. And uh, guys, we have much, much more in store for the rest of the season. Just keep grinding, keep working this trade market, keep liberating these waiver wire spots, and uh, we're going to take our teams right to the top. Until next time, happy trading, everybody, and so long, Roster Watch Nation. 